Section 48 of Happy Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Dore. Happy Days by A. A. Milne. The Barrister. The new bailey was crowded with a gay and fashionable throng. It was a remarkable case of shoplifting. Aurora Delane, nineteen, was charged with feloniously stealing and conveying certain articles the property of the universal stores, to wit, thirty-five yards of book muslin, ten pairs of gloves, a sponge, two gimlets, five jars of cold cream, a copy of the clergy list, three hat guards, a mariner's compass, a box of drawing-pins, an egg-breaker, six blouses, and a cabman's whistle. The theft had been proved by Albert Jobson, a shop-walker, who gave evidence to the effect that he followed her through the different departments and saw her take the things mentioned in the indictment. "'Just a moment,' interrupted the judge. "'Who was defending the prisoner?' There was an unexpected silence. Rupert Carlton, who had dropped idly into court, looked round in sudden excitement. The poor girl had no counsel. What if he—' Yes. He would seize the chance. He stood up boldly. "'I am, my lord,' he said. Rupert Carlton was still in the twenties, but he had been a briefless barrister for some years. Yet, though briefs would not come, he had been very far from idle. He had stood for Parliament in both the conservative and liberal interests, not to mention his own. He had written half a dozen unproduced plays, and he was engaged to be married— but success in his own profession had been delayed. Now at last was his opportunity. He pulled his wig down firmly over his ears, took out a pair of pince-nez, and rose to cross-examine. It was the cross-examination which was to make him famous, the cross-examination which is now given as a model in every legal textbook. "'Mr. Jobson,' he began suavely, "'You say that you saw the accused steal these various articles, "'and that they were afterwards found upon her?' "'Yes.' "'I put it to you,' said Rupert, "'and waited intently for the answer, "'that that is a pure invention on your part?' "'No.' "'With a superhuman effort, Rupert hid his disappointment. "'Unexpected as the answer was, "'he preserved his impassivity. "'I suggest,' he tried again, that you followed her about and concealed this collection of things in her cloak with a view to advertising your winter sale. No, I saw her steal them. Rupert frowned. The man seemed impervious to the simplest suggestion. With masterly decision he tapped his pince-nez and fell back upon his third line of defense. You saw her steal them? "'What you mean is that you saw her take them from the different counters and put them in her bag?' "'Yes. "'With the intention of paying for them in the ordinary way?' "'No. "'Please be very careful. "'You said in your evidence that prisoner, when told she would be charged, cried, "'To think that I should have come to this. "'Will no one save me?' "'I suggest that she went up to you with her collection of purchases,' pulled out her purse, and said, "'What does this all come to? I can't get anyone to serve me.' "'No.' "'The obstinacy of some people!' 
Rupert put back his pince in his pocket and brought out another pair. The historic cross-examination continued. "'We will let that pass for the moment,' he said. He consulted a blank sheet of paper, and then looked sternly at Mr. Jobson. "'Mr. Jobson, how many times have you been married?' "'Once.' "'Quite so.' He hesitated and then decided to risk it. "'I suggest that your wife left you?' "'Yes.' It was a long shot, but once again the bold course had paid. Rupert heaved a sigh of relief. "'Will you tell the gentlemen of the jury,' he said with deadly politeness, "'why she left you?' "'She died.' A lesser man might have been embarrassed, but Rupert's iron nerve did not fail him. "'Exactly,' he said. "'And was that, or was that not, on the night when you were turned out of the Hampstead Parliament for intoxication?' I never was. Indeed? Will you cast your mind back to the night of April 24th, 1897? What were you doing on that night? I have no idea, said Jobson, after casting his mind back and waiting in vain for some result. In that case, you cannot swear that you were not being turned out of the Hampstead Parliament. But I never belonged to it. Rupert leaped at the damaging admission. What? You told the court you lived at Hampstead. And yet you say that you never belonged to the Hampstead Parliament? Is that your idea of patriotism? I said I lived at Hackney. To the Hackney Parliament, I should say. I am suggesting that you were turned out of the Hackney Parliament. I don't belong to that either. Exactly, said Rupert triumphantly, having been turned out for intoxication. And never did belong. Indeed, may I take it, then, that you prefer to spend your evenings in the public house? If you want to know, said Jobson angrily, I belong to the Hackney Chess Circle, and that takes up most of my evenings. Rupert gave a sigh of satisfaction and turned to the jury. At last, gentlemen, we've got it. I thought we should arrive at the truth in the end, in spite of Mr. Jobson's prevarications. He turned to the witness. "'Now, sir,' he said sternly, "'you have already told the court "'that you have no idea what you were doing "'on the night of April twenty-fourth, 1897. "'I put it to you once more "'that this blankness of memory "'is due to the fact that you were in a state of intoxication "'on the premises of the Hackney Chess Circle. "'Can you swear on your oath that this is not so?' "'A murmur of admiration for the relentless way "'in which the truth had been tracked down "'ran through the court.' Rupert drew himself up and put on both pairs of pince-nez at once. "'Come, sir,' he said. "'The jury is waiting.' But it was not Albert Jobson who answered. It was the counsel for the prosecution. "'My lord,' he said, getting up slowly, "'this has come as a complete surprise to me. In the circumstances I must advise my clients to withdraw from the case.' "'A very proper decision,' said his lordship. The prisoner is discharged without a stain on her character. Briefs poured in upon Rupert next day, and he was engaged for all the big chancery cases. Within a week his six plays were accepted, and within a fortnight he had entered Parliament as the miners' member for Colville. His marriage took place at the end of the month. The wedding presents were even more numerous and costly than usual, and included thirty-five yards of book muslin, ten pairs of gloves, a sponge, two gimlets, five jars of cold cream, a copy of the clergy list, 
three hat guards, a mariner's compass, a box of drawing pins, an egg breaker, six blouses, and a cabman's whistle. They were marked quite simply from a grateful friend. End of The Barrister